All right, welcome to another episode of Woodward Tigers here. Literally in studio, we're in Studio 2 here at the Woodward Studios in beautiful downtown Birmingham, Lady Jane Studios. I'm Rahul Castillo. Alongside me is Chris Brown and Youper. We figured out the technology, and I'm glad I booked the studio for two hours because <laughs> it took us a good 30 to 45 minutes to get this all figured out. But the reason why we're doing the format this way is because we're going to add a little bit of production value, so there's going to be... So when we do the inside of numbers, when we do our segments, you're going to actually see them on the screen. We're going to add them afterwards and for anybody who watches on YouTube. And, of course, if you listen to us on iTunes, which you should be because it's 78% of our audience, I think it is, um, then you have nothing to worry about. But Are you shaming the people who don't listen on iTunes? <laughs> no, I mean, I want people I, – I like the <laughs> – I'm a Spotify snob. I love Spotify. Spotify so. shaming. Yeah, and, and – um, Youper, do you listen to us on iTunes or Spotify, or what's your selected medium? I'm still an iTunes guy. I haven't gotten very fancy with things. No, it's fine. That's the way I do it. Yeah, that's pretty much how majority of our audience does it. So, either way, if you're watching us on YouTube afterwards and you see all this cool, slick production, thank you to myself and (laughs) Woodward Sports Network. There's some big things on the horizon. And um, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I've been really – I will say this. Somebody made a comment about the resources Woodward's been able to provide for us. And so far, it's been pretty good, I, I got to say. Um, not writing for clickbait. I can freely say this. I think I've been saying it. It's been on my mind for a while, and I'm going to say it out loud because I've been talking to Chris about this. And it's nice not to write for clickbait. It's good to take your time, write a story that is news, and you feel like a beat reporter – Versus writing for click click uh, clicks, clicks writing, writing cloud chasing clicks. kind of thing and oh. all that. I feel like my writing and my podcast has gotten better, but uh, anyway, I just want to get that out of my chest. What's up? Every piece has more heart if you got you know if you're if you're really into it. Yeah, definitely. And, and there's plenty to get into today too, as far as the, the Tigers kick off a three game series with the Blue Jays as uh, the Blue Jays called the number one prospect, Chris. Gabriel Moreno, catcher. A, catcher. Catcher. So he's a right-handed kitchen, right-handed hitting catcher. I believe he is. Actually, you know, I do not know that. I, I haven't paid a ton of attention. What's that? He is. Okay. Yeah. He's actually not had – I think he may have been hurt earlier this year. He hasn't done a whole lot. I think he's only got one home run this year. And they've got Alejandro Kirk, who's been one of the bigger, bigger surprises in the American League. But, uh, you know, I think we're past the Super 2 deadline, so – it's time to bring up some prospects. And back in the old Tigers days when they were competing, this is kind of when, like, hey, Jacob Turner's getting a start. What, what's this all about? You know, they bring guys up to showcase them, sort of, see how they can, you know, this is what it looks like at the big league level. Not to say that the Blue Jays are doing that, but uh, maybe they are. I mean, they, they certainly have eyes on contending this year. Yeah, they have a lot of crazy catcher depth, too. They do. Um, who was their – they still have Reese McGuire. I don't know if they still have Reese McGuire, but they've got uh, – I think they tra- I think they've traded him, the, I think. The kid on the injured list. Kirk? Well, Kirk, they have Danny, has been turning it up. Who is it? Danny Jansen. Busted Danny Jansen. Yeah, he, he's a guy who he was a prospect in his own right and kind of struggled for a few years, but he's been pretty good the last couple of seasons. So, yeah, they've they've got enviable catcher depth there, and uh, so that's a good place to deal yeah. from, I think. Marino hasn't shown much power this year, but he's hitting well over three hundred. Yeah, uh, they say he's just got incredible bat to ball skills. Uh, last year, he hit before he got hurt. Last year, he busted his hand. Uh, he had eight home runs in 37 games, so he does have some power. He just hasn't gotten to it yet this year, but he's definitely hitting. Yeah, it'll be fun to see him. It's always fun to see a top prospect debut. Uh, 
Tigers fans would certainly rather see their top prospect debut, but uh, we may have to wait until Monday or Tuesday for that, I think. Yeah. And that, and speaking of which, by the way, down in Toledo, it's kind of a rehab as the – it's rehab city, essentially, as the Mudhens are taking <laughs> on a doubleheader against the Iowa Cubs. And so Riley Green, Robbie Grossman, Victor Reyes are in the lineup tonight, and Eduardo Rodriguez started – and at some point, we'll see Jose Cisnero. He pitched right after Rodriguez. Oh, he did? Okay. All right. Yeah. Rodriguez, four innings, two hits, nine strikeouts. Nicely done. Uh, and Cisnero, one inning, one walk, one strikeout. No uh, no word on velocity, but uh, it's because we weren't watching. We were here. Yeah. So, but we have eyes out there, and hopefully with Cisnero, that leaves a interesting position come June 19th when the Tigers have to make a decision about cutting the bullpen from 14 to 13. And they're, even with Tyler Alexander, who does have two minor league options left, he might stay in Toledo. But you better start with you about that um, among Tiger News. There is some interesting roster choices. We've talked about this a little bit on on our DMs about uh, Daz Cameron. Uh, well, I've talked to Chris about this. Daz Cameron, Derek Hill, some of the interesting positional battles. But the bullpen-wise, Cisneros coming back after – he hasn't pitched since, I think, late August or September, I believe – Oh, yeah, mid, mid-September. I think he went down. I think he had, like, a, a bizarre injury. It wasn't, like, a, an arm injury at the time, but then he, he – it was, like, a, you know, a sneeze-based injury or he cut his yeah. hand or something silly like that. And then uh, – but, yeah, he didn't pitch much in spring. Did he, did he pitch at all in spring? No, I don't think he did. Um, yeah, it was – it's one of those things, too, where we know for – I mean, it's almost a foregone conclusion that Funkhauser probably won't be back anytime, if at all, this year. It could be the case that he's – Yeah, there's, there's uh, kind of – no news there is bad yeah. news. Yeah, yeah, zero news for that. But uh, so, Yuper, I was going to ask you in terms of like these certain positional battles we have currently in season. Uh, what's your thoughts about Daz Cameron, Derek Hill, and then that kind of the bullpen spot? Well, certainly, Cameron is—he's uh, the guy peaking at the moment, uh, you know. And Derek Hill is kind of uh, in a little bit of a flat space right now. Uh, Derek Hill, or excuse me, Daz Cameron is doing something that I saw last year. When he really started to hit, he was taking things the other way. It looks like he really has an idea of how to shoot things to right field. Uh, he did that when I saw him play four games here uh, in Iowa last year. And that's what he was doing this week. And he has a really nice swing going that route. Um, I'm interested, you know, it, he's what, like eight for his last 22 or something. I mean, you really can't base a whole lot on that. But I'm interested in seeing more Daz Cameron than I am more Derek Hill right now. Yeah, and one of the things I noticed about Daz Cameron during the stretch, too, is his ability with two strikes. Um, he had that triple yes. the other night with two two out. Two, uh, he had a two-out, two-strike triple. And, Chris, I don't know about I know he doesn't really – they've been playing more on the corners than center field. Is it – I didn't think he was a defensive liability in center. Or am I mistaken that? I don't think he is either. I, 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 it's been a little bit confusing. Like, he's not a plus runner. He's an above-average runner. and. Uh, so I don't know if they, they feel like, but I think his sprint speed is just as good as, as Willie Castro. So it's very odd to see Willie Castro in center and Daz Cameron in right. Uh, and Willie Castro has shown a decent arm too. So I, I don't know. But, yeah, it, it I think that they will play him in center more as I, I do think if the choice had to be made now, I think Hill would go down and, and Cameron would stay. And he's right. And this is – it's when Daz Cameron is right, he's hitting line drives to – right center and right field. It's It's been the story for him basically since since he was a prospect. And it's kind of interesting that I, you know, I wrote up, uh, we don't have to get into the draft right now, but I wrote up Drew Jones today 
And that's kind of his hitting profile right now is that he, he's got the five tools, but most of his contact goes to right field, which is just kind of interesting. But, uh, yeah, and when Cameron's doing that, he's a, a viable MLB hitter, and that's nice to see because I had kind of written him off just uh, two months ago. I thought that in spring training I saw some of the ball, hard hit ball, and I thought he was going to have a good chance to make the team. And then he kind of kind of struggled the last couple of weeks before he got cut or, excuse me, sent down the AAA. But I, what I've liked about him, too, overall, is he's a smart base runner, too. Like, he's been able to steal bases. Not to say Derrick Hill doesn't, because I, I, Derrick Hill is pretty good at stealing bases. But as far as defensive live, I mean, there's he might over uh, extend himself sometimes in right field or left center, or left field, rather. But <laughs> He had that play where he ran right in front of Cody Clemens. That was yeah. kind of funny. That was the Kelly Lee yeah, maneuver. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> No, I, I think he does. He does show good instincts. Certainly better instincts than Willie Castro. Uh, I don't. You know, <laughs> Willie Castro has physical tools, but some of the worst instincts I, I can recall in a baseball player. Yeah, and I and I don't like. And getting to Willie Castro before we move on, I think Willie Castro is playing a position that's not natural for him. This is a guy who's has played the infield his entire life. We started seeing him in the out, and this was he was in the outfield as early as the twenty twenty season, wasn't he? Uh, he definitely played there. there last year. I think they talked about putting him in left in twenty twenty. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. I remember during the shortened camp, mm-hmm. I, I would have sworn they put him in left. Field I think you're right. Times. Yeah. So. I think so too. Yeah, and and as far as center field goes, I, that play in New York was was atrocious. I mean, I'm not gonna excuse it, um, but good God, man, that was that was bad. Yeah, I mean, and that's very much like you said. That's very much uh, a lack of experience out there. They always say that the hardest ball for an outfielder is the one hit right at you. You can't judge. You get you kind of judge it based on the swing rather than you can't tell how fast it's moving and. You take a couple false steps, and oh no, and uh, yeah, that's what happened there. Yeah, <laughs> that I mean, was ugly. I remember. I mean, I, let's I got... face it. Go ahead, Eufer. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, Will, Will Castro has a lot of deficiencies, and we know that he's not a perfect player. He's far, far from it. But yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you can't. The people who want to pile on about his outfield play, they're sticking him out there because they have injuries. They need a body. He's the guy to do it. He's doing his best. I, I I can't fault him out there, you know. And he's made a couple good throws, as you said. Yeah, he's gone down. I mean, after that play he had against the Yankees, the next play he gunned down somebody from third. So there's, it's just a matter of getting. If he wants to get some reps, get him reps in Toledo. With that current outfield situation right now, it could be the case where Victor Reyes even stays down. But I don't. I don't think so. I think you know, Uper's uh, favorite player of all time <laughs> is going to be heading up to Detroit. He walked in a homer today. That was the only run for the Mudhens in their first game. They won one nothing. Oh yeah, that there game you was go. Over. Yeah, seven, seven yep. innings, right? Yep. Holy crap! Producer, shit, that went really fast. Yep. Man. Um. But yeah, it, it's one of those things where I I don't want to pile on Willie Castro, and I know uh somebody on Twitter always does Mark Urash, but it's just like cut it out, man, already. Who else you can put in lead off? Give me a good candidate you're gonna bat and lead off. Tell me. <laughs> oh, crickets! Well, you can't. At this point, it's Austin Meadows, I guess. But yeah, yeah like yeah. you know, Willie Castro doesn't walk. We know that. This year, he has cut down his strikeouts a great deal, but he's also not hitting for power. So it's just, I don't know. Like he's an imperfect player, and uh, probably won't have to be talking about him too much longer with with healthy people coming back. But who knows? He may stick around as the utility guy. And there is an interesting scenario too with Willie or Damon Candelario going to the IL. One player to look out for in Toledo. And I don't know what you guys think about this, but Brandon Davis has been play- primarily was playing the outfield until recently. And then he started getting some thirds, thought or starts. 
at third base. Now, I don't think anything of that. I think because he has played third base in Salt Lake City, the AAA affiliate of the Angels, he has played there more than any other position in terms of on the infield because he has played shortstop, he's played second base, and primarily he was being an outfielder with the Angels. Until recently, in the last five or six games, he's been playing third. He's batting over 300 right now for the Mudhens. Doesn't walk. Strikes out quite a bit. He did walk four times the other day. He did walk. Well, okay. All right. Yeah, one game. I think he walked today, too. But, um, no, I think uh, it, with Brendan Davis, I think part of it is he's another guy with, with utility skills, basically. But part of it, I think, is all the other outfielders that are there right now. The, yeah. The, you know, Reyes and Meadows was there, and Badu is there, and Green is there. So, but certainly they they like him. He was a guy who came up as a shortstop and third baseman, I think. And they, they I think they're grooming him to play just about anywhere they need him if uh, should arise. And I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if we see him later this year. Yeah, I wouldn't surprise. Him. I mean, Uper, have you watched any of them? And do you have any thoughts about him? No, I'm pretty empty on the Davis front. Yeah, it's sorry. No, that's okay. I mean, at least you're honest about it, and that's fine. <laughs> you didn't have uh, somebody tell you something. But, uh, no, I, I personally, I like the fact that I'm looking forward to seeing him more in person soon. But I think that he does add a sense of the Tigers can go in multiple directions in the infield if they wanted to. But I wouldn't be surprised if Davis gets a call up at some point. But it is interesting. Like, you're right. I, I didn't think about how many outfielders they have right now currently because at some point Cody Clemens – Will probably get sent back down. Yeah, the 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 only real question is: Will he get his first big league hit before he gets sent down? I don't know how many more starts or appearances he's going to get. You figure he'd get one game this weekend, and uh, yeah. that might be it for him. So hopefully no, he can. He, he played do some a little bit in. of third base at Toledo, right? What's that? He played a little bit of third base at Toledo, he, right? I, he played yeah. one game at third last year, I think. Ah. Uh. And uh, hand like seven at first and like twenty in the outfield. It's uh, he kind of came up as a uh, he actually played shortstop and as a freshman in Texas. But I think once he had Tommy John surgery, maybe his arm strength didn't come all the way back. But Clemens is a gamer. Wherever you put him, he'll play. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. So now so we do go. We, do we think it's Harold Castro at third from here? Yeah. So yeah, I think so. Yeah. We, you know, we we've discussed maybe like Jonathan Scope could probably handle third base quite well with his arm strength and, you know, his life as a middle infielder. But do you want to move the best defensive infielder in baseball right now? I don't know. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. It, it could be could be Castro. I, I think they said Candelario is probably not going to be out for more than 10, 15 days. So, so maybe this will be a nice uh, break for him to get away and, and he can come back and hit. Yeah, because Hero Castro actually has shown pretty decent range at third base, so I was kind of surprised on that. But – uh Sometimes, like, when you think about Harold Castro, I always think of him as sometimes more on the right side of the infield versus the left. Yeah, he came up as a second yeah. baseman. Like, right. even, you know, usually when you see these international guys, they're shortstops, right? They're all shortstops. And then they eventually become second baseman, outfielders, first baseman. But but Castro was a second baseman from, like, the age of 18 on. It was like, all right, well, yeah, this is interesting. <laughs> It's time for Inside the Numbers. And, Youper, what is your Inside the Number this week? Well, my Inside the Number is 45.4%. That is 
the leading strikeout rate for anyone with 100 at-bats uh, this year. And that belongs to one Joey Bart of oh, the yeah. Giants, who was demoted yesterday back to AAA. Um, so another star of the 2018 draft in the, in the top <laughs> 10 there. So um, really kind of surprised that, you know, it didn't work out. I mean, you know, Buster Posey retires. You uh, think that uh, they're all set up to just slide Joey Bart in there, even if he's just an average player for a while until he really gets going. Uh, but he's been far below average. He's hitting a buck fifty-six. Really, no major power. Uh, four home runs, but one of them was off Albert Pujols. <laughs> so, <laughs> how much we want to count that one? Um, but yeah, you know, he's just—they're really worried about his ability to make any contact, and he's striking out forty-five percent of the time. He's missed a lot of time um, uh, since his draft draft day. You know, he he had. A busted hand mm-hmm. on his left hand. He had a broken arm, I think, one year. And, of course, the 2020 minor league season was wiped out. So, uh, you know, it's just been a, a rough road for some of the guys in the 2018 draft. And he, he's joined them. Yeah, you run that run down that draft, and it's pretty rough. At least the like the top ten is like, oh, boy, what happened? But, you know, it's funny. I, I remember Bart was – he wasn't considered like a top five pick heading into that draft class because of concerns about his, his strikeouts and his hitting ability. But he had such a great year that they're like, man, I, you know, I didn't remember how many home runs he hit. But there was also, you know, like he was a great catcher and a great leader. And they talked about letting him call his own pitches, which is pretty rare in the college level. Um, so, yeah, that's, yes. that's a bummer. But then you do like I do remember thinking something might have been up when they they drafted Patrick Bailey. In 2020, right. in the oh, like the top yeah, 15, the, the catcher yeah. from NC State is like, huh, this is interesting. So here's a question for you. Right now, they have the final wild card spot. Mm-hmm. If they're still there a month from now, do they make a call to Buster Posey and ask him if he's in shape? <laughs> uh, you know, I, 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 they probably call him multiple times, but I think Buster Posey's swimming in his, uh, you know, vault full of money. From whatever, what was it, sports drink that he got involved in, or yeah, some duck, sort of? Yeah, he's swimming in there, Ducktail style, yeah. like uh, Uncle Scrooge's. Yeah, there's, I don't know what he, I forgot what he did, but it was like a sports drink or sports nutrition. Oh, oh, or, oh, you, oh you invested in something? Or? Yeah, like he was an early investor and in, in like oh, made like you know nice. three thousand percent return or something like that. I have to, yeah, I'd have to look it up, but oh, he's he's enjoying life because yeah, catchers yeah. later uh, in the thirties just get beat up more and more. And I'd still make the call. Also. Yeah, for sure. You, you check in. Farhan has been able to find talent anywhere, and I think, I mean, look at, like, for example, Carl Yastrzemski is coming back in the form a little bit recently in the last couple of weeks. But I think Farhan, or... Yeah, you got... Yeah, yeah Farhan yeah. is going to find somebody that will be serviceable to fill that void. And Bailey, is Bailey in high A, isn't he? Is he in high A? I know he was in low A last year. He wasn't doing all that well, but... Uh, or maybe he was high. Yeah, I don't. I haven't paid much attention, but uh, but he's a guy that I know the Fangraphs people uh, like him a fair amount. So I don't know if he's past Bart on the pecking order or whatever, yeah. but but he's also there, kind of breathing down his neck. So yeah, interesting scenario with that. Chris, what's your inside the number? So as usual, I have two. My inside the numbers are seven point seven and negative seven point zero, and this is all about sliders. And so the first one is actually. The pitch value, according to Fangrass, of Tarek Skubal's slider this year, which is the best slider in baseball, uh, and now the pitch value, they're technically called pitch type linear weights. Basically, all it means is 
how much better has this pitch been than expected? And they, they go through and add it up from every count and every instance. Like, hey, it's a 2-1 count, and he threw a pitch, and this happened. And, and so his slider's the best in baseball, according to fan graphs. Now, if you go over to Baseball Savant, they also say his slider is, is basically seven runs better than average, but that's, like, tied for seventh to them. I don't know what the differences are, but in either, uh, either event, uh, it's a pretty darn good slider this year. It, what, it, what it doesn't tell you is if it's going to stay good. It just means that it's been good so far. So I thought that was interesting. And then, of course, the negative 7.0 is Javier Baez's <laughs> against, against sliders. So he has been seven runs worse against sliders this year, which is not a surprise to anyone. The, the one thing that was kind of surprising to me is that it's not the worst in baseball. It's the third worst. Sean Murphy and Jorge Polanco have, have been worse against sliders this year. Nice. So. Nice. Yeah, it's a, I, I put a White Castle poster yeah. and put Javi Baez in there as in our Discord last night and knows a, a cheap attempt at humor. But uh, my inside numbers, it's also twofold. It's 14 and 1.4. So in a way, it's kind of very, well, one's got a decimal point, the other's not. That would belong to the Angels, who have lost 14 in a row. They have fired Joe Madden. But the 1.4 comes from the F4 of one Patrick Sandoval, who is one of the few pitchers outside of Otani that's actually got a decent K per nine. So his K per nine right now is 8.63. And he's been able to, he's got a 3-1 record in this. I mean, going back through the regular season, he's one of the most consistent pitchers. And one of the things I noticed, I was talking to Chris about this earlier, is that Lee Detmers in the last two weeks has a K per nine of just over four and a half. That's not sustainable whatsoever. That's that's bad. Um, but uh, nevertheless, in, a, in one of the few bright spots of the Angel season, including using Nickelback to <laughs> yesterday, which was yeah, didn't work, didn't work because Nickelback. Here's the thing about Nickelback, real quick. I don't want to get too off the subject, but anybody out in our audience listens to Nickelback. First of all, I, I used to get, I used to be a music snob about stuff. Like if you listen to. If you still listen to New Country, I don't know. I find that kind of weird because it's all the same songs and they've been really bad. But I try not to be a snob about stuff. So if you like a band, if you like whatever music, it's all subjective. So it's like, if you like a certain band, hey, that's cool, whatever. But Nickelback's one of those bands where I really do not... I like their first album, like the Leader of Men. There's a couple songs on there. But if you like Nickelback, hey, man, whatever. That's cool. I'm not going to judge you for it. I'm not going to judge you for... I mean, there's like trap rap that my son listens to. I have no idea what the hell's going on. My my wife listens to some really strange music, but I like the fact that they were trying to think outside the box a little bit to inspire wins because that whole thing, the Angels thing, is going down in a dumpster fire so quickly, and yet they're still in second place because the West is so bad right now that Houston's just basically like turning around and laughing at like none of you, none of you guys are gonna catch up. Seattle, I don't know what the hell's going on in Seattle. Market Simeon, which we'll get to a little bit, is doing better. But Texas is still crap. Seattle, I thought Seattle would be coming and doing something. They haven't, again. Underwhelming. So when does Jerry Capito get some sort of heat to him? But good God, man. Like, 14, like, as much as we complain about the Tigers here, the Tigers, I mean, they're, they're talking about the various, how hard it is to lose 12 g- games in a row. Mm. Tigers hit in 2003. They've lost... I think it was 12, 13 in a row. Yeah. But the Angels, it's like they, and, and, and I got to see who they're playing in some of these games, but 
Joe Madden, uh, there was something about a tweet on, on Twitter. It's like, well, it was the Rays that made Joe Madden look good. I'm like, yeah. He did win a World Series with the Cubs. Did I miss something? Or Yeah, although the, <laughs> the people will tell you that he almost lost it for him <laughs> with uh, some of his bullpen decisions there at the end. But, you know, managers always get more credit than they deserve and more blame than they deserve. It goes, that's just always the case. Unless, unless they make completely baffling choices. Yeah. Completely which... drunken, baffling, and then double down <laughs> in press conferences. But we don't need to talk about that just yet. <laughs> you know, I'm glad. Yeah, there's. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go have some fun with that here in a second. But uh... and Chris, what is your good and the bad, the ugly this week? So my good is Marcus Simeon. You just teased it a minute ago, and and what's funny about that is that Simeon, I think, has been on our bad lists or maybe even our ugly lists in the last month. Yep. But a uh, few hitters have been better than him over the last two weeks. He, he actually had a game. A doubleheader where he went seven for eight with three home runs, two steals, and a walk. Just, you know, one of the, the better single-game performances in MLB history. And over the last two weeks, he's hitting, what, I what I have, 330 with six home runs, six steals, and uh, 12 RBI, 16 runs scored. It's a 189 WRC+. plus. It's, you know, he's not that good, but this is what the Rangers paid him a bunch of money for. And we've seen now, we saw Trevor Story have this kind of run. Now we've seen Marcus Simeon. So just kind of waiting for the Javier Arbaez run, right? It's coming at some point, right? Isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it? Tell me. Right after the Torkelson run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my bad is Christian Yelich, which just, you know, certain things in baseball just confound me, and, and I, I'll never understand. And I understand, like, some things make sense. Players hit a certain age, and they just stop performing. You know, their bat gets slower, things like that. But it's usually – not in your late 20s. It's usually in the late 30s or mid-30s, you know. And and I don't know how Christian Yelich has gone from a perennial MVP candidate and an MVP winner to basically a replacement player. And it's, it's just kind of baffling to me. And I, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, I was looking. His stats from 2013 to 2019, he was one of the best players in baseball. He hit 301 with, what, I have 100, a 190 ISO and an 11% walk rate. Basically, just, just a Great all-around player, stole bases, good good outfielder. It's worth a 137 WRC plus for that, what, six-year, seven-year stretch. But in the last three years, he's hitting 231 with a 14% walk rate and a 150 ISO. He, he's basically, his stats over the last three years are almost identical to Robbie Grossman's. And not to denigrate Robbie Grossman, but Robbie Grossman got a two-year, $5 million deal because that's what he's worth, basically, on the open market. And that's what Yelich has done. And, and it's not like he got fat and slow. He's still, his sprint speed is still like 28, 29 feet per second. What do we have here? Uh-oh. Cole yep. Keith got injured? Yeah. And uh, Sorry. so, yeah, with, with Yelich, the, the best I can come up with is that he suddenly he can't hit breaking balls and off-speed pitches anymore. <laughs> but I have no idea why. Couldn't tell you why. And it's it's just one of those baseball things that, that uh, it's scary. Because, like I said, this was an MVP guy. I don't know if he was quite on a Hall of Fame track, but he was awfully good, and now he's just a guy, and it's yeah, it's a bummer. Do you think it's a mental thing? Didn't though? I see where he started hitting everything on the ground? Is that what? I, yeah, I mean, well, I think he always uh, had had not much of a launch angle, and that was the thing. Maybe it was that just you know 2019, or he was benefiting from the the, the Super Bowl, yeah. but because I remember I him talking he had like a one or two year spike there where everything where he where he was lifting the ball. Yeah, and, 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 like, every time he lifted the ball, it went over the fence. It was, like, maybe it was just never sustainable. But even before then, he was, like, a 300 hitter just about every year. So, 
it's just been a bizarre, bizarre turn for him, and I don't really know what to make of it. And, and hopefully he can come back because again, I think he's like thirty, thirty-one. It's it's you know, Cody Bellinger was a similar case, although with Bellinger you could kind of point to like, hey, the shoulder injury is there's something there, but uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess Yelich did break his hand that one year, but you wouldn't think that would do anything. Um, and my ugly is uh, is the the Casey Mize and Matt Manning situation. Now, in more Mize than Manning, I think. Uh, Manning is supposedly back throwing again. But uh, Mize was the one who was throwing and, and still experiencing pain. And it's, you know, it, it's this, this thing that we've, we've all known it's coming. We've known it's been coming for a while now. He's going to have to get surgery. I don't know yeah. if it's a shoulder surgery. I don't know if it's elbow. I don't know what. But like, you can't just keep having pain. It's almost, it's like bordering on Franklin Perez territory here where it's like, okay, you keep having this pain, you keep having this pain, you can't throw comfortably, something's got to be done. And, and I assume that there are things that are showing up on these medical scans or x-rays or whatever that they could do, but we know how these players are, right? They're, I think we talked about this last week, that they're, they're prideful, they want to help their teammates, they don't want to go through a 12 to 18-month rehab, nobody would, so they think they can they play through it. And, and the end result is that, is that Casey Mize is going to have two complete loss seasons this year and next year for the Tigers. Yep. And and that means when he comes back, he's going to be in his first year of arbitration, which means the Tigers have three more years of Casey Mize. At, at best, they can hope to get four solid years out of Casey Mize uh, before he becomes a free agent. And, you know, that's it's just that's the danger of, of drafting pitchers high. We knew that. Everybody knows that. It's just ugly <laughs> that it came to this. Like, it actually happened where, yeah, this is – they're messing around, and it's going to cost him two years before he comes back. If he comes back, hopefully he comes back. It's just, uh, yeah, it's ugly. Yeah, and one of the things about Casey Myers, we've heard we've heard things going back to his college days that he's pitched hurt to a certain extent. And no, it's not going to do with the W thing, which oh, inverted W, inverted W. <laughs> that clown come the other night came up on my feed the other night. The pain guy, the pain guy. Who, but, his okay. I understand why Chris blocked him now because I don't really see him very often. But then I, I, I saw his tweet randomly come up, and I started going through. I'm like, man, this is the most redundant, uh, rep- repetitive asshole I've ever met in my life. Like he's just like over and over and over again saying the same thing. It's like I told you so. I told you so. Yeah. Shut up, dude. Like you're if you're, just, I want to know who consults with him because he apparently has this thing on his Twitter about that. But it's like. And every every pitcher injury, he's up. Oh, that's my yep, yep, yep. You didn't do it my way. Da, 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 da. Shut up. It's incredibly, incredibly morbid in yeah. a way that's like it's just weird. Like you, you, you wait for guys to get injured and say like, yep. Yeah. It, it's just it's very bizarre. Yeah. So. All right, Uper. What's your, what's your good, mad, ugly this week? Okay, my good is our old friend JD Martinez. Um, just having. You know, he's bordering on a career year going here, uh, kind of under the radar. You don't hear a ton about him. Uh, got a 193 WRC plus at the moment, uh, hitting 556 against shifts. And he really cool stat I saw. Uh, I think it was on Baseball Savant, wherever I got it. I apologize. Uh, I'm forgetting. He's one of nine guys right now who on his batted balls have 30% going to left, 30% going up the middle, and 30% or more going to right. So he, he's just dominating to all fields. And that's, you know, the guy is just such a good hitter and such a likable guy. Uh, just real happy for him. 
uh, still definitely, you know, when you have some time at night and you're cycling through games on your phone, if you catch a J.D. Martinez at bat, uh, always worth it. So uh, really glad to see that for him. My bad was I had Joe Madden down and the, and the Angels. You know, they're on their losing streak, as we discussed. Getting outscored during this losing streak, 78-35, to 35, uh, pretty nasty. Just Madden's tenure in general, just, man, hard to believe with some of the talent they have. They just can't get it to work. Uh, when you got Otani and you got Trout, Trout, by the way, hitting like a buck 14 during the losing streak. Um, He's hurt uh, now, too, I Anthony think. Anthony Rendon yeah. is not the same guy he was anymore. He's basically Jamer Candelario or worse right now. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, he hasn't been a real all-star since 2019. Uh, you know, for a, a big market club with an owner who can spend, just really amazing that they're they're going through managers again and Madden didn't get it done. Uh, my ugly, I'm sure we're going to talk about it some more so I can hold off, but it is the the the, the fun development in Chicago today <laughs> with our favorite manager, the elderly Tony Larusa. So I don't know how you guys want to approach that one. Uh, you can go for it. I, I, I... you know what? We'll just well, dunk. Let's, let's just set the stage for everybody. Yeah, exactly. You go ahead and start the dunking. I want you to start dunking on him so, <laughs> so hard. Go ahead. <laughs> it's seven to five, right? And they got a runner on second, Freddie Freeman. Uh, Trey Turner's up. It's a one-two count, and all of a sudden you hear this, this cryptic talk from Benetti, like. Uh, what are they doing? Uh, and so goes, oh, they're walking him. He goes, they're walking him. That's that's odd. <laughs> As, have you ever seen this before? And the best part about it, uh, so they, they, they walk Trey Turner, put runners on first and second for Max Muncy to get a lefty-lefty matchup. Even though the batting average for all hitters with two strikes is what? It's pretty bad, right? I mean, you got a chance of getting that guy out. Yeah. Uh, the most damning thing of the day when we talk about all of this was when Benetti would ask a question of Stone of, have you seen this? What's the justification for this? And there was just this little pause <laughs> from Stone, which I think was a calculated pause of, this is freaking nuts, <laughs> but I'm not going to say it. So he paused, let the silence permeate the room, and then he came up with some weird, you know, ah, oh, they just want the lefty lefty, I can see it. You know, and um, Freddie Freeman's out there uh, with a quizzical look on his face saying, what the hell are they doing? The home run goes off, you know, opposite field home run from Muncie. Terrible decision by uh, La Russa. Fans are going nuts. That one loud mouth in the stands just killing La Russa. And it's coming through on the microphones. Hilarious. <laughs> Muncie's dropping F-bombs like, how dare you walk a guy with two strikes? Screw you, bitch, is what he says. <laughs> and uh, and he's going, that's disrespectful. I mean, Muncie is just jacked. You, you could just see that's one of his yeah. career highlights. And the, th the saddest part about it is Tony La Russa is sitting there in the dugout with a stupefied look on his face. And I don't want to make, you know, there's, there's a million ways to make fun of Tony La Russa, and we all know what they are. It's just, I hope that Jerry Reinsdorf, if he was watching that game, was sitting somewhere with a scotch in his hand, thinking, "Man, I really love that guy." <laughs> <laughs> well, did and it's still worth it. It's still worth it to have him. Did you so see it that was, he... it was really it was really some fun times on Twitter today, uh, watching that whole fiasco. Did you see that uh, he doubled down after the game? 
Somebody asked what? him, and he said, "He said, is there even a question about that? Like, like he he, he was like, yeah, there's no question that in a one-two count. And I looked it up right before the show. Across baseball this year, batters are hitting 172 with a 193 x x or weighted on base average with one in one-two counts. Whereas left on left, sure. it's 236, 307. 100 points of, of on base and 50 points of batting average. Um, yeah, it's inexcusable. It, it's it's a I'm smarter than everybody move or I'm dumber than everybody move. I, I well, never. You know, what's up? You from? Sorry. I was, when Freeman Freeman's out there at second base looking all mystified, he looks over at that Danny Mendick, the second baseman, like, you're walking with two strikes? And Mendick's look on his face was just kind of like a blank. Like, I, uh, you know, what, what can I say right now? So you know the players are thinking, what the hell is this? Yeah. They they have to be losing. He has to be losing the clubhouse at some point. I mean, I know he has with certain players already to a certain extent. But the ineptitude of this this team is talent. This team's got a lot of talent on it. And yep. they should be in a better position. They have one of the one worst run differentials in all of baseball, which still shocks me, even worse than the Tigers do. They're coming to town after Toronto. So they're coming to town, I believe, on Monday. And the Tigers have them right at a perfect time because the White Sox, we had Chris, remember, guys, when we had Crystal Janice on, they were saying the White Sox were bad. And we were like, oh, no, 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 look at the, look at the talent on this roster. There's no way. But Tony LaRue, if they had any other manager, I think they'd be better off. They could have a rookie manager. Um, or any, it doesn't matter, but it's like, how are you going? Like, congratulations. You invented the modern day bullpen. This is your, this is your follow-up. This is your ending the way you end your career. What the, what, what is wrong with you, man? Like, just, I don't even want to say, I I joked about dementia earlier, but I can't really joke about that because I obviously had a personal experience with that, but was he on the sun too long? What? Oh my God. Like, I, I feel like. Did you like? No explanation. There's no explanation that you can give me that is sound and logical with this. None. I mean, in well, Uber, obviously, the you're, bench you're, coach must have no no input. Yeah. Like, nobody to save. Nobody to save him from a Who's decision like coach? that. No, and you know, Uber, you make a good point too. And and in, in of even okay, and you've umped. Have you ever seen this even as an umpire at at, at your level? Mm-hmm. Have you? Uh, what? Some uh, intentional walk like that? Yeah, one and two count. No, never. No, the bench coach is Miguel seen... Cairo. Miguel Cairo. Oh yeah, he's been his bench coach in St. Louis, I believe too. Hmm. About lack of a St. Louis uh, cronies or people, not cronies. That's so so messed up. But I yeah, I see a guy had to. He he let his kid in there too long, and he had too many outs for the weekend. Yeah. So with the bases loaded and a, and a two-run lead in the last inning, his pitcher was not eligible to get any more outs. So they had to intentionally walk a guy and force in a run to bring in a new pitcher because yeah. he was still on the mound. He had to face the batter, right? Wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> so they intentionally walked him, forced in a run. Next guy come in, he got the out. They won the game. But that was all. That was one of the worst intentional walks I ever had to see. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I think – I. TLR, as they call him on uh, Twitter. Wow. <laughs> anyway. All right. So the good, the bad, the ugly for me this week, I have a 
I have a couple of, um, I was going to go with one player, but then I thought about it and I thought better of it. Sandy Alucard from the, for the Marlins in the last six starts over 48 innings, uh, 0.56 ERA. He has averaged eight innings per start. The last pitcher to throw 48 innings in a six out outing span, 2017 Max Scherzer, also a 48 innings pitch. And that, uh, Bit of statistical knowledge has been brought to you by Sarah Lang's uh, slang on sports on Twitter, and yeah, the, the Dolphins. I can't want to say the Dolphins. Why don't I say the Dolphins? The Marlins have had really good pitching, but it just the, it, inconsistent with the bats. But that's impressive. The bad is this Angel Hernandez um, claim that of racism, and this is the second time he's done something like this. But he claims that MLB manipulated reviews to disadvantage minority. To, to give a disadvantage to minority elements. But keep in mind that in the last few years, they've had a crew chief that's been um, African-American, one that's Hispanic. So, um, and he mentioned, Hernandez mentioned in the 150-year history of the MLB, MLB has 19 total umpiring crews per year, and the number of my, minority crew chiefs were at that time were one. Now they have, like what I just mentioned earlier. But he's also argued that the his empire, empire, his umpire evaluation forms for 2011 and 2016 were consistently better than the year-end reviews, which held him from getting promoted. Look, you can feel a certain way about Angel Hernandez. You know, we know how we feel about him around here. Not a good ump. I don't know if he has any merit to this case, but I do find it interesting about the whole black and minority thing, but he is a terrible ump who has gone out of his way to have personal grudges. I could be wrong about that, but there is a certain history has with certain players. So I just think this whole thing is going to get bad and worse for him because I feel like he's one step away from getting blackballed. Yeah. I mean, fortunately there's a union, right? But the union, the union, you know, I mean, I guess my, my, my initial reaction is, is that uh, like that of everybody else were like, come on, dude, like you're just a bad ump and you're using this as an excuse. But <laughs> We did see the NFL had codified a a rule for the head injuries for the for I don't know if you remember this, but it was in their rules that that black people who had been injured with you know head trauma got less oh, money than yeah. white people because yeah. they started off with a lower IQ. This was in the rules oh. by the NFL, so we know that these are just. You know, would it shock me at all if baseball has institutionalized racism going on? No, it wouldn't. I would hope not, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, that'd be kind of diabolical to to be deliberately holding back your umps just for like, I don't know, it, it'd just be strange. But I wouldn't put it past anybody, I suppose. Well, you know what's you know obviously, I think we're going to see that the next uh, because of what he just said, the next three or four crew chiefs will be you know Hispanic or African American. They, they'll make a move to quash the suit with no. with the evidence there of that um maybe that's, that's his goal you know, probably maybe you know it, he's definitely a grudge holder i will certainly give people that one uh you know he, it seems like he will escalate an argument that doesn't need to be escalated um i think that from what i've watched he is not good uh, strike zone wise, especially low and away. He mm -hmm. loves to call a lot of strikes there uh, to people that are definitely low and away. 
uh, I think that I've noticed him make some really good calls in the field. Uh, that's where I think he's an excellent umpire on the bases. Um, but he's just at that point now where uh, he's such an easy target, especially when they were, he didn't want to come back from the, from the COVID and they were all the players and managers saying, well, you don't even want to be here, you know, that kind of thing. Um, uh, it's going to be better if he at some point retires and goes away, but you know, he looks like a pretty fit guy. I bet he's, yeah. I bet he's around another 10 years easy. Yeah, he's a he's a lithe, wiry. Yeah, who's that? Who's that ump that was always ripped and edge? Who's the guy? Oh, at Hercules. At Hercules. Yeah, Hercules, yeah, Hercules <laughs> is always like wearing tight shirts. Like you are wearing tight shirts on purpose, man. Oh, I had a, I had a shop teacher who was like that. He'd always wear uh, like polo shirts that were two sizes too small, and he'd be like, "Hey, can you give me that pencil? Like, settle down, Mister yeah. Tommy. Then which way is the sun? The sun's pointing." Mr. This way. Yeah. Oh. Use the lathe. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, as as far as the ugly goes, the same thing with you, you for the Tony LaRusso situation. I would say Javier Baez uh at the plate, but he has been hitting better this week. But as far as that goes, um no that, that whole that, that whole situation's just bad for White Sox fans. It's the White Sox in general are are very disappointing to watch, and I don't know. I, I think it's better. I think I'm it's here better for be, it. Pardon me. I'm, I'm here, here for it. it. Yeah. yeah, I'm here for it too. Because yeah, it's you know what? Sox and Freuda. Sox and Freuda. Look, I'd rather be a Tigers fan than a White Sox fan at the moment because the Tigers didn't have the expectations the White Sox did. The White Sox were expected to win the division and contend for a World Series, but that ain't happening. Unless some miracle turnaround of some sort, but they're yeah. Anyway, and Dallas Keigel's now signed with the Diamondbacks, so just an update on that. So we have some questions to Chris, and uh, we'll wrap it up here. Diamond Dallas Keigel. Um, Diamond Dallas. <laughs> yeah. So self high five. Yeah. No, I I was gonna do. There's a bonus ugly about the Orioles and the the Angelos brothers, but we can talk about that next week. I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon. Um, yeah. So we got a handful of questions. We got Joe sleeping. He said this offense is horrible. What are the chances of a change to the hitting coaching staff? Do hitting coaches really make a difference? Um, well, you go ahead. You know, it, at some point, I guess it, it doesn't hurt anything. I don't think uh, Scott Coolbaugh has had uh, any success in his past here where you can say that they're hurting the continuity of things. I mean, a few years ago, Chili Davis got canned somewhere. and Didn't the team start to hit? You know, um, so I don't know how much it'll help. It probably can't hurt. My gut feeling is Hinch probably is not the kind of guy who's going to cut bait midseason on uh, on a coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, who are they going to make significantly better uh, in, a, in a matter of a few weeks uh, when he gets a new voice in his ear? You know, uh, the Tigers have a lot of weak spots in that lineup. It's not like we're looking to turn around one or two guys. Yeah, and for me, I mean, he's the same hitting coach that was there last year when these guys were hitting. <laughs> okay, like Scope hit better yeah. last year, Catalaro hit better last year, Grossman hit better last year, Badu hit last year, Austin Meadows hit better last year with a different team. Uh, it's it's hard to figure what's going on. I, I think there are times, certainly, where when, when you get a coach 
maybe he's too hard. Maybe he's too easy on guys. Maybe he's, he's, you know, he's teaching the wrong things. That's possible. I don't think A.J. Hinch is the sort of manager who would he, – he, he strikes me – I don't want to say a micromanager, but he's very detail-oriented. So yeah. I would think he'd have his hands in all of that. And if he thought Coolbaugh was a problem, he'd be gone, I think. Um, I, like, you know, sometimes you just need a change for change's sake. But uh, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's a process problem so much as it's like uh, I don't know what the hell's going on problem. <laughs> I think everybody's completely confused because we've seen a lot of guys like with Candelario, he is just swinging a lot more than he did last year. It's like up 8% or something like that. And it's like, well, what's that all about? Why are you just not seeing the ball? Javier Baez said he wasn't seeing the ball. I don't know that Kulba is a LASIK surgeon. So and there's just not <laughs> yeah. so much you can do. And and as far as Kulba goes is concerned, last year when the Tigers tried hitting the ball better, when we saw some of the consistencies from Candelario, we all praised them. Now, as far as what a hitting coach can do to change things up, if if he sees a hitch or like some uh, hitch in their swing or something like that, and he notices it, and they it's still not working, there's only so much he can do. Um, but Kubal, if you look at his resume, it's pretty consistent. I think the Tigers are not good, so maybe that's maybe that's the problem. I, I don't know. It's, to me, it's common. I think it's common sense a little bit. This team, Jonathan Scope's starting to hit better, but Javi Baez is what Javi Baez is, which we knew this was coming into the season. A guy who swings at everything. So I don't know what else he can do to fix Baez's swing. And I remember, I think it was Dan Hasty or somebody told us that, I think a player told us that a hardest thing you can do is change your swing after it, it takes a long time to get that muscle memory out of it and develop something new. So I don't I don't know how much you could get blamed, but if, even firing, what would that do? Tigers still off to a horrible start. Yeah, I mean, what did firing Joe Madden do? The the Angels went out and lost one nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, it ultimately it's on the players. Um, like I said, it's possible. Well, if they keep struggling, it's possible, but I don't think it would make a huge difference. I, I, I don't think they, they probably just elevate Mike Hesman, who's been there with them anyway, so – that's that's exactly what I was going to say. Who's the guy with the magic bullet they're going to find here on uh, June 9th? You yeah. know? I mean, well, uh, I'm not sure. Run you. All right, let's see. We've got uh, – we kind of touched on this one already. Steve Butts said, have Daz and Willie cemented their spots in the 25-man roster, 26-man roster? And what's the fallout going to be on the big league roster? Um, I think, you know, as of right now, we think that just based on playing time, Daz is certainly – overtaken Derek Hill. Now you still would assume that the ideal outfield in another two weeks is going to be Grossman, Meadows, and Green. But uh maybe maybe Daz keeps performing and plays more than Grossman. It's possible. Um I could see that. And Willie Castro, he may get pushed out in favor uh just just for roster space he may go back down to Toledo just because we talked before earlier that Harold Castro might be a better fit to play every day at third base whereas Willie Castro is kind of a play everywhere and and they might just not have the roster space for him but i don't know i mean i wouldn't i wouldn't say either guy has cemented their spot on the roster but daz certainly looks better now than he did a month ago yeah daz cameron should be on this roster going forward um Robbie Grossman has looked a little bit a slow step on the outfield. It's just no, yeah, he, he's not he's not grading out well on the out. He yeah. didn't last year either. I mean, you you don't really you're not 
using Robbie Grossman for his defense, basically. You're, you're, you want him to get on base and hit some home runs now, but he wasn't doing that either, so. Yeah, I'm not sure what is – I mean, I don't know. I, I think it's better for the, the Tigers to get some return on their investment on Justin Verlander trade. No, that, that sounds kind of selfish. No, it would be nice, yeah, yes. So. They're not cemented. I would say Cameron's closer. Instead of cement, they're like those gravel roads in the country that have that oil put on them. Yeah, the, the, keep them nice and compact. Fluoride or so chloride or what not, is chloride? They're not cemented in, but they're kind of oiled in. Yeah, he's oiled in there. Uh, That's right. Let's see. So let's see. We have uh, oh, Deadly Ninja Bee said, "How many average slash above average uh, position players do the Tigers have? Even factoring the team's youth, the foundation seems shaky." <sighs> above average positional I mean, players. Yeah, I think w- if we look at this year, then yeah, it's it's basically barren. But I think from a historical perspective, they have a handful, right? A handful of guys who have yeah. been average players. Not really more than that. Javier Baez is probably the best or has had the, the highest peak. Yeah. But he's certainly not playing that way this year. I, I think Meadows is an average to Oof. above average player, generally speaking. Um, we saw from Candelario and Scope are kind of average-ish players, right? Candelario was above average the last two years, but he's still not entirely sure what's going on there. And Scope, Scope has his limitations. We'll say that. Anybody else? Barnhart, does, is he an average catcher I, a good year? I mean, I wouldn't call – I just don't think he, he does nearly enough on offense. Like, you don't have to do a lot on offense to be an average player as a catcher. Um, I guess you could say he's an average catcher, but, like, I'm just thinking in my head, I'm thinking, like, average, like, two-war average player, and I don't think that's Barnhart. Yeah. But. yeah um, I mean, you certainly hope that Torque can get there one day and that Green could be at least average, if not above average, but uh, – they're not here right now, or at least Torque's not there yet. I was, I'm going to have to say three. Cops. Yeah. So, yeah. It, Maybe two and a half. I could do two and a half stars. Two and a half stars, like Tim McMahon style. Three and, a, three and a quarter stars. Three and a quarter stars. Three tops. Yeah. That's it. And I'm going to go with. You're going to think about this for a second. I mean, Miguel is, like, in terms of, like, Miguel, Miguel, Miguel Cabrera wouldn't count technically, right? Not from a a war standpoint, he wouldn't because no. he's a DH and he doesn't hit for power. But like you know, I would certainly still call him an above average big league hitter. Yeah, when I mean, you see, basically, he's just got a magic wand, man. Like if, if there, he's up there with runners in scoring position. He's he's kind of money this year. It's it's getting kind of ridiculous. Yeah, yep. that's about it. I mean, there, it, this team lacks positional talent yeah. across the board, and there's not a whole lot of help coming, unfortunately. Nope, and, and that Cole Keith injury is. Yeah, that doesn't look good. Looks like a separate. Do do? Well, I don't want to. Yeah, we're not we're not doctors. We've got a we've got a picture from Dan Hasty here. What of, body part? Shoulder, right arm okay. injury. Not shoulder, but it looks like a right arm injury after d- trying to dive back into a base. So that's, Ugh. you know, which is unfortunate for sure. The yeah. uh, we do have a handful of more questions. We've got uh, yeah, let's roll through, man. Dylan Stoyanovich says, "What's going on with Torque?" Seems like he is late on everything. Is it time to start being concerned, or do you think he will start hitting? Uh, I see some hints that he hits. That change-up data today, you were like. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, R.J. Anderson from CBS uh, tweeted out about he basically has no hits on change-up. I think he's hitting like six, .063 on change-ups this year on off-speed. I looked it up earlier. He's not also He's also not hitting – 
premium velocity, anything above 95, he's not hitting. He's just not hitting. And and we saw this last year in in parts both in spring training and throughout the year where he certainly put up good numbers in the minors over over the course of the year and and in uh in totality, but there would be times when he would just swing right through pitches that you thought he should send into orbit, like a 91-mile-an-hour fastball center cut, and he just swings right through it. And, and it, I don't really have an explanation for it. I, I've been working on a theory for like two years now that he's got kind of a grooved swing, and what that means is, is basically he's got a, a, a highly repeatable swing. He makes basically the same swing every time. But part of that, I think, is, is he can't get the barrel to pitches in, in locations that aren't where his barrel goes. Uh, whereas, you know, you, you think of somebody like a crazy hitter, like a, a Vlad Guerrero can manipulate the barrel to meet the ball anywhere. And it seems like Torque has been getting away with, with basically the sw- same swing path for his whole career because he's so disciplined. But, uh, but yeah, now he's getting more and more pitches. It seems like right down the middle and he's not hitting them. And I, 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 I'm sure the Tigers have a better explanation or a better understanding. And, and, you know, there's so much that goes into it. He could be guessing too much and waiting for something else or trying to protect against an off speed. And so he misses the fastball, but yeah, it's, it's not been great through his first 50 games. That's for sure. Well, I think he needs to, um, you know, last year when I saw him, he was going the other way a lot, showing a lot of power. Um, I would like to see more of that. There's no question. He lets some pitches go by trying to be patient that he should hit and he misses pitches. He should hit, but you know, He's had one full season in the minors. I don't think it's a panic situation. I think it's fine that he's in the majors. I think it's fine that he's obviously going to learn or, you know, he's going to sink or swim in the majors. Um, That's okay. Uh, But I still think it's really early. I look at a guy like Andrew Vaughn, Mm -hmm. who had a rather ordinary at best season last year, although still better than what Torkelson's doing right now. Um, But it's come on this year. And is really looking more and more like a dangerous hitter. Um, and that means that certainly does not mean Torkelson will follow the same path, but it's a possible path. Uh, again, this is a team that's twenty three and thirty three, really not likely to go anywhere. Um, they need to just keep putting him out there, and you know, let him learn the ropes in the big leagues, and see where we are. You know, next next spring. I, I personally, I think that he's def- fine defensively on, on the gloves. Obviously, he's a really good defender, but we see glimpses of it. And I, I, I still, the changeup data does concern me. And what you mentioned, Uper, uh, about his pitch selection stuff is also concerning. But again, it just it kind of shows if Tigers had a better option, they would go with it. I think and let him him in Triple A. But the reason why he's up here is because they really don't have anybody else. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And. and- you know, I was looking at some numbers uh, because I, I like the nice round numbers, and and I was looking at, at hitters through their first fifty career games who are batting under two hundred and have have you know forty nine fifty strikeouts in those first fifty games, and there were, since like the wild card era, so ninety five, there are about forty of them, and surprisingly, a lot of Tigers. Maybe not surprisingly, like Daz Cameron was one, Zach Short, Jake Rogers, um, Phil Nevin, maybe. No, <laughs> but there are. So, and there are, unfortunately, a lot of busts on that list. But there are also guys like Daryl Strawberry and Matt Williams and Javi Baez who got past it and turned into, you know, pretty good big league players. So there's 
we're not shoveling dirt on Torkelson's grave or anything like that. He, he hasn't been good this year. I don't think that that's wrong to say, and it's also not wrong to say that he'll probably get a lot better. It's a very steep learn, learning curve in the major leagues. And, and one thing we don't talk about as much is the minor leagues were kind of diluted last year. Not just it was his only year in the minors, but every level has been diluted a little bit because they got rid of short season ball. So guys have been bumped up at every level. And the quality of play, I think the gap between AAA and the majors is, is larger than ever right now. And he wasn't exactly tearing it up in AAA. He was hitting like 230 with power. He was doing okay, but this is, I, I don't know, this, this isn't terribly surprising to me. And for his part, he seems to have maintained the same demeanor. He doesn't seem to be getting down on himself or pressing or anything like that, which is good. That's the hardest thing, I think, to do for a hitter struggling is, is to stick with your plan. So... I don't know. I, I think yeah. he will hit eventually. I'm just, uh, you know, I mean, I, I'm concerned about some things, but he's got time. And, and like you've said, uh, there's Tigers aren't going anywhere. So give him some of bats and see if he can figure it out. Yeah. Better that than having a 4A player out there and, and doing that. Yeah. So uh, let's see. We've got, we, we kind of touched on this earlier. Uh, he explains that how much of the pitching success do Barnhart and Haas deserve? Fetter obviously gets the bulk of the praise. I think Barnhart has done a really good job of. I mean, we we saw this the other day with the uh, John Boy Media put the New York Yankee the the Yankees where um, Ed, or Rodriguez was um, tipping his pitches, mm-hmm. and you can see kind of the body language of Barnhart going. What's going on here? You can kind of see. I think Barnhart has a lot to do with the framing part of it. I think Haas is same thing. I think they've both been good receivers as far as getting that extra strike in there, and Barnhart proves it with his uh, one of the uh, – he was one of the top five framing last year, wasn't he? I don't remember if he was top five framing or not, but well, he's certainly very good at blocking pitches. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, it was one of those things – remember when Hench came into the organization and you know, everybody talked about how good of a defensive catcher Jake Rogers was, and Hench was immediately like, you're doing all these things wrong. <laughs> And so I, I think I think AJ Hinch knows a little bit about catching, and he's playing Barnhart a lot. Yeah, uh, and it's it's I think that's part of the reason Haas has been struggling at the plate is he's just not getting much playing time, at least compared to last year. And he was playing almost every day for a while last year, and he got into a groove. And you know he's he's a borderline player anyway, so maybe he's just not going to hit. But but I think they're playing Barnhart every day, and Barnhart's not crushing the ball by any means. No, but he's playing, and I think because Hinch really likes what he's doing. Uh, as a catcher, likes how he's calling the game. So, yeah, I certainly give him a, a, a good deal of credit for guiding these young pitchers, a ton of un- inexperienced pitchers. He's, he's guiding them through. Somehow they've survived. I mean, you know, the record is the record, but these young pitchers aren't the problem. No. No. How much is it the ball? Do we know? Yeah. That, I, mean, I, I, I was, we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago. Around May 13th when the Tigers started winning, there was a difference in the ball across the board. Fly ball rate jumped up quite a bit and in terms of the home runs, too. And going back to 2019, I did a little article about that, about how much of a difference it is, and it stands out. So I think the ball I think the ball has been messed with more than we can imagine. I really believe that. I The, the amount of the home runs through the first 36 games, Tigers hit 15, and then the next 18, they hit exactly 15. So you mean yeah. to tell me that you can you can say warm weather. Of course, the weather could be something to do with it, but in all reality, the temperatures have been 
sporadic. They haven't been consistently warm up here at all. So yeah. um, how much weather plays a factor? It probably plays a small part of it, but I, I, I'm sorry. I think there's something with up with the ball because when in baseball kind of had that leaked out last year, it was a bad look. Yeah, I mean, they put so much they put so much stink on the whole situation just by the accusation that some ballparks are getting the lively ball, yeah. and some are getting the dead ball. You know, uh, that's that's unbelievably bad PR. Um, yeah. They need to do something to prove that everybody's getting the same baseball and it's not being manipulated uh, mm-hmm. throughout the course of the season. It's just it's just so strange that they do it. You think with all the gambling now that they would want to ensure that because that's you know like I wouldn't gamble on baseball if the all the baseballs are different. Exactly. But uh, I mean, the, so the if one they're, if they're getting all the dead baseballs in Detroit, is that why our pitching, you know, is, is artificially green? It's, <laughs> it's possible, but but I mean, other teams have hit okay this year, like pretty normal levels, it, 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 even against the Tigers. So I, I yeah. the one kind of aspect of this, I. I heard or I, I somebody tweeted about was like hey what if the tigers just have an abnormal collection of guys who have below average bat speed and so they 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 make contact at a decent rate uh but suddenly when the balls are dead and it's going to abnormally affect the tigers just because of the the bat speed but we don't have publicly available bat speed information so i have no idea if that's a, a thing or not but you would think that yeah some some players do have less bat speed than others. I just don't know how much of a, a an impact it could possibly make from one year to the next. Yeah, and especially the, one of the things that even we were talking about this beforehand was what's going on. Like it shows us even like the the balls are using a triple A. Um, are they using the major league baseballs? Are they using that tacky ball that they used uh, towards the last part of the ten games of that uh, the final stretch or whatever that was last year in triple A? There's a lot of well, – because the reason I mentioned that is because, you know, Victor Reyes has hit pretty well down in AAA. Is he using the artificial ball or is he using a real baseball? Who knows? And and even think that with, like, Riley Green's numbers that Chris pointed out about his ground ball rate, he's not getting a lot of loft in the swing. Is it the ball? Is it him? Whatever the case may be, I just wanted some more transparency from that. So that way uh, we have a cleaner sheet of data to work with. Well, I, I did see an article that they they were using the the pre-tacked ball in two double-A leagues. Not the Eastern League, but I think the Southern and uh, uh, what's the other league? The double-A league. Carolina? Texas, Texas League, I think. Oh, Texas League, yeah, yeah. Or okay. is the Southern League? I don't know. But, in any event, but I don't think they're using it in Eastern. So, I don't. yeah, I mean, I have no idea what kind of balls they're using in the minors. So, yeah, it is frustrating. It's something that we used to kind of take for granted. Like, hey, all these baseballs are the same, right? Like, you didn't really even think about it, and now we know that they're all different. It's, yep. yeah, it's got to be frustrating. That shouldn't have that second much. You shouldn't have second that much second guessing in, in your sport. No, never. It's. I did see they. What was it? The, um, the Celtics. There was a thing yesterday where where the Celtics stopped during or the Warriors stopped during their shoot around in Boston and they measured the rim and it was like three inches too high. It's like oh, what what's going on here, Boston? Wow. Um, but anyway, so we we did have one last question. It's, it's more of a, a fun one. It's a Haas divided. He said he's going to my first game at Comerica in at least a decade next week. Which foods are must-have? Any tips for Copa these days? Hmm. I would have to say the when we did the, the Taste of Comerica, there was a lot of good stuff. Um, the Euro nachos, definitely. 
Um, Chris and I are a little more biased about nachos, but I would have to also say <laughs> the pork. Uh, those, those, what was it the nacho? Um, what was the place called that we had the nachos? The uh, pork and deliciousness. And, Oh, in the, in the park? Yeah. Oh, yeah, the street nachos. Street nachos, thank the street, you. Yes, they yeah. have street tacos, street nachos. They're now, they're now two of those. There used to be just one. There's one on the upper deck now. Thank and, yeah, you. my wife absolutely loves the street nachos. They, You know, it's it's like 12, 15 bucks or something like that. But you get pork, and it's you can get salsa and, and jalapenos, and they have the cottage teas or whatever, how you pronounce yeah. it. But, yeah, it's super, super delicious. And well worth it, too, because, I mean, you get, yeah. you get a bigger portion than you would get, like, at a restaurant, I think. Yeah, it's it's they they heap it on there, especially if you compliment them. Yeah, like, these are I love these nachos. Yeah, that's what happens every time. Like, without fail, that always happens. Uh, but I would have to say that that I would also have to say the pa- was it the pasties? The pasties had? they I think they delicious a bunch of I don't know if they had pasties uh, before if they're just a bunch of new ones, but they've got yeah Polish one that was really good. Yeah, they had the, the macaroni of the UP. Yeah, it was mac- macaroni and uh, pulled pork. I think yeah. Pasty was really tasty, nice. so. So, to answer your question, just stick with those things. Everything else is kind of like your, you know, same logical affair. Although, I think the Italian sausages there are pretty good, too. Like, if, you sausage. know, it's Italian sausage, you know, sausage. <laughs> the, I don't know if, it, I mean, Roger, you're heading down there all the time now, but you're going earlier, so, like, parking's not a big issue. But I mean, you introduced me to parking at the MGM lot, which is free, right? I don't yeah. know how I, they frown upon that. It's like a 10-minute walk to the park, but. I'm gonna park for free. Go go to the MGM lot. Yeah, and you know what? Look, if you want to get some exercise, it, like I do, I well now that my situation is a little different, obviously, I would still recommend parking. I almost thought about parking the MGM lot the other day to get some exercise, but I realized like I have a like 20 pounds of stuff I have to carry back in my backpack. It's a little different now. Nevertheless, uh, if you want to look for free parking, park at park at MGM because they don't care, and you just go in, park, and if the weather's nice, it's a beautiful day to walk, and it just take doesn't take that long. And right now, there's a lot of those pay lots do pay ahead of time online with these ParkWiz apps and all this stuff. And it gets to be a lot of bullshit lines. I mean, there's a lot of lines now to get into these lots. So uh, if I could have a tip, if I could send a tip out there, good point to bring that, or good, good idea to bring that up, Chris. I would highly recommend parking at uh, the casino, MGM Casino, for sure. Uh, you can park at Greek Town, but there's. Yeah, you go sometimes, in there, double your paycheck. Yeah, the double your paycheck. <laughs> I think at Greek Town, there's sometimes you have to you get charged sometimes. So, but yeah, that is it for the podcast this week. And hopefully, you like our more interactive podcast if you are watching us on YouTube. And of course, I just thought about this. If you want to donate, I've been mentioning the Patreon, but you have a PayPal, SRD Productions. You want to donate a couple bucks to help us out. Uh, We're not. I'm not traveling for a while, uh, just because like just. Tigers are have a ten game homestand coming up, and not to this, not to mention too. Now with this Cole Keith thing, yeah, that's a bummer. We thought he yeah. he might. Well, we'll see what happens. I mean, yeah. hopefully it's nothing too serious. But uh, you know, that's what happens during the course of a season. Players get injured. They're all on the Tigers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but to be fair though, the Miners haven't really suffered a lot of injuries. Nothing big, at yeah. least so far. We've had a couple like Tanner Colehep went down and. Was he is he pitching the uh, he's he's on the FCL roster? I don't know if he's pitched yet. Yeah, that that started this week, so there's a lot of good name, good prospects on there that uh, are worth mentioning that we'll probably see in Lakeland at some point in August. I'm assuming. So, yep. but uh, anything else you wanted to add to you before we get out of here? Well, it's going to be very interesting to see Elvin Rodriguez and Bo Brisky taking on the mighty Blue Jays power lineup. So 
should be kind of a fun weekend. See what they can do. Yeah, you would hope that uh, you know they, they 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 lost three to the Yankees. We kind of expected that sort of thing. Hope to get one. Took care of business against the Pirates. That was nice. You'd love to win this series against the Jays. I, I mean, you kind of expect a one and two, and hope for two and one. And anything better than that is gravy. Yeah, Jays are uh, as much as I mean they're not one of the hottest teams in the NL or AL East, but they're still very good. They're very deep. Vladimir Guerrero isn't the same we saw from last year, Junior, and. Vigio's down in AAA. He got sent down. Vigio did? Yeah. Yeah. Well, but Boba Shet's really good, though. Right. Yeah. Boba Shet's a tiger killer. Right. I think. He's also another one hitting the ball on the ground more this year. Yeah, that's been his issue for sure. He hits the ball really hard, but too often on the ground, and I'm sure the Tigers will try to exploit that. Definitely. Although, uh, you know, who knows if that'll help. Yeah, at any point, well, I'll be down there. All of, I'll be there the entire game, uh, homestand, which starts with Toronto, then Chicago, and then the Rangers before the Tigers. Head out to Boston on the 20th. Also, I wanted to announce that Sunday, July 17th is the MLB Draft Show, and we'll have a roundtable that will include Scott Bentley from Lockdown Tigers, Trevor Hoff, Trevor Hoff, Trevor Huth from Bless You Boys and Prospects Live, Brandon Day from Bless You Boys, and Justin Lotta from Guardians Insider, potentially probably Willie Hood, his friend that was there from last year, and uh, maybe Pat Allenton from as well. Oh, that'd be fun. And, yeah, so it'll be in studio. Trevor and Brandon hopefully will be in studio. Scott as well. And Huper will probably join us at some point and drop his draft dollars. So they'll start at 8 o'clock. So expect a nice two, three-hour show for Sunday, July 17th for the MLB draft. So so more to come on that over at woodwardsports.com. Check out Chris's draft stuff over at motorcitybangles.com. And I'll be dropping some stuff, some picture, or some pic- pictures. Thank you. I cannot talk. That... Hopefully, we'll, the Tigers could draft later. And before you say, we have enough pitching, Roger. Oh, hell yeah, we have enough pitching. I'm just saying, later in the rounds, some hitter profiles as well, and we'll get in there. So, myself, Uper, and Chris from the Woodward Studios, we'll talk to you next time.